Singapore received $17.2 billion in investments in 2020. This is considerably more than 2019, and it is the highest annual number since 2008. Of course, we are talking about Singapore dollars. It is being said that in general, inflows into Southeast Asia will continue. Innovation has the fuel it needs, at least for now. But innovation can also lead to spectacular things in a good way. And we will talk about one of the shiniest in that particular corner today. Welcome to the Sandhill. By the way, you might hear the occasional noise because the construction workers round the block are really having a go at it. And of course, we have a whole bunch of people downstairs who are moving around. But that is life in one of the densest cities on earth, as I always tirelessly point out. That's your background symphony to what we have to say today. Never mind that. Let's talk about the clubhouse. What is the clubhouse? It is a place where the favored few hang out, listen and talk. It invites chosen individuals to be a part of intimate celebrity conversations. If you are in on the list, you can hang out, quote-unquote. This is where Hollywood, Super Bowl and the Silicon Valley get to meet. Well, it could have been another talk radio station or one more chat software. We have been there before. But... It is now being backed by Andreessen Horowitz. The valuation is rumored to be in excess of 1 billion US dollars. Look at the people who are there. Ashton Kutcher, Jared Leto, Drake, Estelle, many others. You no longer need to gawp at the Kardashians on television. It's all audio and it's on the clubhouse. Things have moved on pretty fast, one might say. That always happens in tech. And then it impacts everybody else. Now we hear that there will be a way to monetize content on Clubhouse. This takes us into very interesting territory. Let's look at what is happening to content, since Clubhouse is increasingly moving from personalities towards the content generated by, about, and around them. You can read a bit on most online portals which have content and then you pay for the rest. There are some which are still free, but you look at the Sydney Morning Herald, it's pay. You look at the New York Times, it's pay. Um, there are quite a few others in India and in Singapore which at a minimum require you to register and then it's pay. The Harvard Business Review online and the MIT Journals online allow you generously a couple of articles and I don't hold it against them because they do have expenses and they do need to make money and then you do need to pay. So far, well, paywalls have been welcomed and that's good. For example, news organizations claim it gives them editorial freedom. Others claim it provides remuneration. All that is indeed very true. But we have a little bit of a paradox and contradiction here 
that we need to deal with. A hierarchy of knowledge access based on the ability to spend contradicts our general aspirations. That is what we talk about. We want a flattened society, but in trying to achieve that, we start to build new edifices. Is a paywall not an edifice? We have to think about that. This is not necessarily a negative, not at all. I know people who run paywall-based news organizations and they're good friends of mine. And I think it is absolutely correct that they should be paid for what they are creating and sending out there. However, I do believe that the argument around creative remuneration, editorial independence and universal access to content has not been fully played out. If the New York Times is unavailable to a lot of people worldwide today, as it was not earlier, then it has chosen not to let its voice be heard by those people. Yet, if it does not run a paywall successfully, it can be prone to editorial compromise. Perhaps so. The cost of generating quality stories and providing deep coverage can become unaffordable on traditional revenue models. That may well be a fact. At a minimum, it is worth a debate. My point here is that when you have new platforms like Clubhouse, which bring together the power of celebrity, content-based and creative-based privilege, and the content and creative forces themselves together, there might be a way around this particular issue. For example, there might be a hierarchy of seating just like you had in the old days in cinema halls, you know, dress circles, box rooms, so forth, you know, rear rows, front rows, middle rows, aisles, etc, etc. It might opt to have highly privileged rooms and then rooms that are open to all. The level of content, though, on an ongoing basis may well be significantly more than the free content available outside paywalls. I think that matters because much of the content and audio can be produced at relatively low cost. There is a cost of the time of the celebrity, of course. But if the celebrity sees that the content is an extension to their identity, to the projected image that they have for people who are coming in and consuming that content, then I think we are starting to look at some interesting possibilities of revenue models. It may be, for example, possible to patch in live performers and live newscasters, both celebrity and otherwise, people endorsed by celebrities or people spoken about by those celebrities. I look to a day when a niche cultural channel runs live in a clubhouse room. And when I mean a live cultural channel, it may or may not be about the opera or classical music. It could be about stand-up comedy, it could be about slam poetry, it could be about rap music, it could be about storytelling, or it could be just about news, you know, it could be about investment news, which increasingly a lot of us find very interesting and even necessary. 
Importantly, it is the voice of opinion leaders and creative achievers which I feel will make the difference. They will sort out the hierarchy issues of access over a period of time. There will always be some amount of access which will be very, very privileged. But in general, it will be in the interest of opinion leaders to make most of the access affordable and even free. They will attract the kind of advertising, sponsorship and endorsement models which will enable that. This is not what was possible earlier. And I believe that the clubhouse and its model, as it may evolve, will allow them and others to do that without compromising editorial independence. This could be an emerging bulwark for a dynamic society. Will it be? We don't know. These are possibilities. Let us discuss these. Bringing tech and privilege together has always been problematic. After all, tech is supposed to be the great leveler. It solves problems, quote-unquote. However, as it attracts money, there is inevitably a rating, a ranking, a hierarchy. There is tech royalty today that ties in very well with Hollywood, with sports and other personality-driven industries. Here are the achievers of society, one might say. They are people who perform and whose very presence and creative skills lead to an explosion of new material for consumption. Their personal stories are often very compelling and some of them can be role models for the rest of us. If you are halfway to being who they are, you could join a hallowed circle via an app for now. To be fair, Clubhouse does allow you to join a waitlist and it promises to open up to everybody eventually. It will be interesting when it does. Those who are inside today may well find it a great platform to showcase their talents and their latest work. Hopefully, that circle of people will increase dramatically. The fragmentation of media distribution and the reshaping of content will continue, perhaps with more intensity. Clubhouse will have a far bigger role to play in society than we may think, or it might be a model for others to have a bigger play. Whatever it is, interesting times lie ahead for us. Have a great day. Bye.